Private Lender Podcast, Episode 29. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Charlie Munger, who said, It is remarkable how much long-term advantage people like us have gotten by trying to be consistently not stupid, instead of trying to be very intelligent. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Greetings, Lender Nation, and welcome to the Private Lender Podcast, the show dedicated to mitigating investment risks in the realm of private lending. My name is Keith Baker, and this is episode 29, and today I'll be speaking with Fabian Toledo, who shares his story of coming to the United States from Colombia, getting started in real estate investing, and the strategy that he used to land his first private lender. Not to mention, Fabian has started his own real estate investment association, or RIA, dedicated to teaching Spanish speakers about real estate investing. And if you are a fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, then you'll definitely want to stay tuned and listen. Fabian is a perfect example of what I like to say is hustle like an immigrant, strive like you just arrived, or work like you just got here. But before we get to the interview and the heart of the show, let's first thank our sponsor. The The Private Lender Podcast is sponsored by... 713RIA invites you to come out and experience one of the fastest-growing RIA groups in the greater Houston area. The goal of 713RIA is to provide quality information to every level of investor. The organizers Landon Rothstein and Ray Sasser have found that no matter where you are in the investing process, those investors who effectively network are far more successful than those who don't. And 713 RIA is geared to help you both get the information you need and provide the networking that will propel your investing. For more information, please visit 713RIA.com. That's 713REIA.com. All right. I'd like to thank 713 RIA for their sponsorship of the Private Lender Podcast. And I encourage everyone who's listening to come out to the next meeting to learn a wealth of knowledge. And you can say hello to yours truly at the Private Lender Podcast vendor table. But I also want to make sure that you don't forget, on August 25th and 26th, I'll be at the Quest IRA Self-Directed IRA Expo, the first of its kind in Dallas, Texas. Go Cowboys. Don't forget to use promo code BAKERXPO for a 25% discount off your tickets. So you can go to the show notes page for the link to get those tickets. Uh, this is going to be privatelenderpodcast.com slash plp dash and remember, you can also go to privatelenderpodcast.com slash events for more details on these and other upcoming events. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get straight to the interview with Fabian Toledo. Fabian Toledo is a full-time real estate investor, wholesaler, and flipper in Houston, Texas. Fabian was formerly a quality control inspector for FEMA in addition to being a licensed realtor for more than a decade. He is currently a stockholder of EXP Realty and founder of latinosinrealestate.com, an organization that teaches real estate investing in Spanish. Fabian's favorite investments are subject to deals, and his favorite sources of funding are self-directed IRA funds and private capital. It's the same here. So, Fabian, welcome to the show, and thanks for being on the Private Lender Podcast. Hey, Kate. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm so excited about it. 
Um, I'm, I'm Love to have you on, and I'm going to bounce back and forth. First off, I know you're from Colombia, so let me go ahead and just wish you guys luck against Senegal in the World Cup. Uh, the, the, the game will have played long after this airs, but I uh, want to uh, wish you guys luck. At least, you, at least your country, your home country, is in the World Cup this year. So congratulations and, and best of luck there. Thank you, sir. I think we're going to do just fine. <laughs> good, good. So you... um. You are from Colombia, so let's let's go ahead and get the, the basic story out of the way. How did you come to the U.S., and then how did you get into real estate investing? Well, I went to Mexico one time, and I met this uh, coyote. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I <don't> know <laughs> Careful, we're going to build a wall. Careful. <laughs> let's, let's keep that out of the way. Legally, <laughs> uh, I came here like about 14 years ago, um, initially just to study, uh, which I did. I went to University of Houston downtown. Then I decided to make this beautiful country my home. Um, had many jobs, you know, like cooking at Sonic, ballet uh, parking, Belmont taxi driver. Um, a few others that I don't want to mention. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I got interested in real estate. Um, I was about I don't know, like 18 years old when when I bought my first house. When but that house was my primary house, so I didn't know any better at that time. But luckily, they they were giving loans left and right, you know. <laughs> so I got a loan uh, without much income or anything. So. After the after I bought my house, I decided to take my real estate classes because I I thought I didn't get a, a, a good deal. I thought maybe if I know a little more, then I will get a better deal next time. And I got my real estate license. Probably I think I was still eighteen or nineteen. I tried to be a real estate agent for a couple of years. I wasn't really successful at it since I was too young. You know, not many people wanted to. To buy a house with a you know 19 20 year old you know kid guy so i decided to do it for myself at that point and i bought a, i bought my, my first investment house i think i was 21 roughly and it was like eleven thousand dollar house uh in sunnyside a beautiful uh neighborhood in, in houston <laughs> at least for me because <laughs> cash is beautiful <laughs> so so <laughs> uh, I, it took me like two years to fix it because the house was so much in disrepair. Like it was a turn down if I knew better at that point. But but you know, <laughs> okay. nonetheless, uh, I did it in, in two years. <laughs> uh, I was doing it myself um, for most for the most part. You know, the things that you don't need a license for uh, on the weekends. Uh, so people were partying. I was uh, fixing the house. So. So after a while, I realized that I was doing it the hard way, you know, because I didn't get any education or I didn't know any friends who did real estate. So I decided to join the the clubs, you know, the real estate clubs like the Rich Club and go to the all the events and quest events. And at that at that point, Rich Club was probably the only the only club really uh, that I knew. So. I don't know. You don't have any questions so far? <laughs> no, no, no. This is this the 
this is good. I mean, I always pr- tell people, you know, that the best way to learn any aspect of investing is to join the, the, your local RIA and start talking to people. And, and it, you know, this is, you know, through your story here, it's, I love that you had enough hustle and gumption to, to go at it on your own. And then you realized, wait a minute, there's probably a smarter way to do this. Let me join the RIA and, you know, learn. So I, I love this story so far. This is, this is great. So uh, don't take my silence as uh, that I'm not interested. I'm, I'm over here giving you the thumbs up uh, on this end of the phone. So <laughs> thank you, thank um, you. Yeah, I just, please, I just feel a little lonely. In the please continue. <laughs> but uh, so <laughs> to continue the conversation, um, so I joined the clubs. I, I, I was able to learn, uh, you know, more strategies to buy quicker and cheaper, and not using my own money. And now we go, you know, to the topic of private money. I learned to use IRAs. Uh, I learned to use private money and foreign money and student loan money, <laughs> credit card money. I, I use all money that I can uh, have. You know, I don't think it's limited to just uh, one cash that I had it before, but it quickly went away because I fixed the property and then I was, okay, now what? I need to save another two years or another half. <laughs> so that didn't make any sense. So thankfully I learned like other strategies like Savage 2 or learn to wholesale and that you know brought more income and made it easier to buy more properties without much um, money of my own. So when I, I like the fact that you you mentioned credit cards and student loans, uh, that's uh, as as a source of cash for your investing. I I think that's great. I um, I did sort of the same thing, but I didn't buy property. But I, I took my first student loan and I spent three to three months in Europe backpacking around and bumming around, which was the greatest education. I could have ever given myself. However, it, it took me uh, about nine years to pay that off. So where my ROI uh, culturally was great, uh, financially, my ROI wasn't, wasn't so good. But you, you mentioned you, you, you know, you've, you've handled a lot, or you utilize a hard money, conventional, private money. How were how you introduced into the world of using other people's money, private money and private lenders? Uh, how, how, did, how did you get into that? Well, the the first time was I think it was with jet lending that the first time I used hard money. Uh, I had another property that I already paid for as well, uh, besides the first one, and I got a, a really good deal that I needed to close like in seven days, and I couldn't uh, put that property as collateral because it had a title issue. Uh, so I had to put my other property that I had paid for and do a you know, like a cash uh, out refi widget, and I was able to buy the other property using that money. Uh, and I had it for like six months, maybe like five months. And I realized, you know, after six months, that you have to pay for an extension, stuff like that. So I said, well, now what? I don't want to keep doing hard money. So that pressure of, 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 of needing the money for the, for for refinancing the other this debt uh, loan made me go to Quest and and go in front of the, of the crowd after the you know after they do the presentation of any class that you can go in the front and, and then uh, the very first time I presented my deal said well I need money to refinance this, this deal a guy from Puerto Rico uh, believed in me I said yeah give me your phone number and. and and then he led me for that deal and for many others later on. And then he, he introduced me to his friends. Uh, all, they were all like uh, 
oil retirees, you know, from I think Halliburton or other companies. So there's just people with with you know some good IRAs and some good uh, savings that maybe, but they are probably uh, just tired of working and they don't want to do much. They just want to be uh, the lender and receiving the mailbox money, which I'm very happy about because then I have the the, the time and I have the energy to go and make the deals and they have the goal. So we are a good match. So I like that. So your very first time at Quest IRA, you walked up, presented your deal and you found somebody to fund it for you. Your first, your first time you ever went. Yes. Uh, I, I'm still amazed about it. I said, wow, I'm just either too lucky or, or I don't know what else, but, <laughs> but the very first time. And then, and then, and on another occasion, uh, I, I went in front of the, the, the camera, the, the, the crowd again and, and nobody lent, lent me that, that 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 moment. But later in the week, I got a phone call saying, "Oh, I saw your quest because they, they do like um they record the the, the 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 session and they put it online. And this guy saw me online and I said, "Well, I already found the money, but uh, let me keep your number and the next time I have a deal, I call you." And sure enough, I call him maybe like two weeks later, and he lent me for for another deal. So so even if nobody sees you there, then 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 so some of the time people may watch the video and say, okay, this guy looks like a BJ guy. Let's just talk to him. And, and that happened. Wow. So, I, um, so, so you've been using private money for uh, quite some time now. I mean, you're still, you're younger than me. So to me, you're still a kid, but uh, <laughs> you've been investing for quite some time. I'm, I'm curious. It, what I like to ask people who utilize private money is, what is your attitude or how do you, how do you take care of your private lenders? How do you make them feel secure? And, you know, like these, these gentlemen who you know, heard your story, uh, you know, and if one, you know, from Puerto Rico, I'll say, Hey, here's, you know, here's a brother in arms that, you know, I, I can help him. He can help me. You know, we can work this out, but how do you, how do you normally try to treat your private lenders and, and keep their money secure? Well, the, for the Puerto Rican guy, that was uh, his first time. Most of my lenders, uh, in each, the, the initial time is because of the first time I have the patience to tell them, okay, this is what it is. And this is how is the process. Um, I, I put it everything in writing, you know, you're going to be secure by the deed of trust and we're going to draft the note and the deed of trust is the one is recorded as the instrument you use to foreclose. If I don't pay you, I'm going to insure you with, uh, an insurance company as, as the lender. So you're going to get paid at first if the property that gets um, burned down or anything like that, then I'm going to buy a title insurance. I'm going to insure you as a lender. So again, you're going to get paid first. Um, what else? I, I try to make it a, a, as easy as possible for them. Because for me, it was hard to understand at the beginning everything. So, so but uh, the, down, the good thing about it is like once I understand something, it's very easy for me to explain it to anybody because it took me a while to learn it. So, Especially that you know all this uh, terminology, uh, it is a it is a it is a new language for anybody. Like for me, it's a third it's a third language for me because Spanish yeah, is my first your language. third language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> English and then real estate, and that's why I have my organization Latinos in real estate, where we teach people like myself uh, real estate in Spanish because I want to make it easier for people to get into this business and not make it so difficult like it was for me. And 
that that that's great because I've I've been watching you know you around town and and, and seeing more and more as as your group grows and uh, I, I like the fact that you you know you're you're already giving back to the community and 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 showing others passing on the torch and showing others you know h- how to do things so uh, if you could um, walk us through one one of your meetings obviously I don't speak Spanish so uh, I don't go uh, but uh, kind of walk us through what. Um, you know, kind of what, you, what your typical meeting is like, and and if there is there a focus on any particular type of investing, or is it you know kind of does it change every month your topics or yeah how does uh, how does a typical meeting look? You need to take a Spanish test before you can attend. <laughs> Just kidding. Anybody, <laughs> anybody is invited. Like you don't have to speak Spanish. I have maybe like maybe fifteen to like fifteen twenty people who always show and they, they don't have a clue about, you know, Spanish, but they don't go for the, for the uh, class because the class is in Spanish, but the, the networking is in English or any language you want to speak. It's like, I, I don't go to the events or uh, just for the class. I, for me, the value is in the networking and it's a different networking. It's a different crowd. So if you go to a lot of networking events, you, you're probably going to see the same people. In my events, you see 50% of the same people, and then the other 50% are fresh new people that you need to contact them. There, there may be a lot of contractors, uh, more people that are more realtors that are otherwise not in other events. So I highly suggest you to go. And the next event is on July 24. Uh, it's free. It's at 6.30 p.m. We have drinks. Uh, we have um, some light bites. Uh, Sometimes we have music, sometimes we have dancing. So maybe that's another reason the other guys come. <laughs> they want to meet the Latinas <laughs> or they want to meet the Latinos. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> so so <laughs> please, please come. Like, everybody's invited. <laughs> well, if, if you're going to put people dancing out there, then yeah, I guess I'll have to, I'll have to stop by at some point and say hello. But uh, real quick for everyone, you said July 24th. That's going to be for the year 2018. Uh, this episode will probably air just before that. However, I, w- I do want everyone to know that just because that date is going to be gone, come and go, that this this will be evergreen. So you can go to, was it latinosinrealestate.com? Correct, latinosinrealestate.com, and you'll find the latest event. Even if you don't plan to show up, just RSVP for it, and that way we, we can uh, send you the reminders for the next meetings. Um, it, this, this, this time is going to be a Talento Bilingue de Houston, which is a, a local theater sponsored by the city, uh, very close to downtown. Uh, in, it's in the east uh, side of town, but it's like two minutes from downtown. Parking is, is free and it's very easy to park. It's, it's a big place, so we won't have the issue of last time. It was a little crowded. Uh, now we have a lot of space. So, so yeah. And you have free parking near downtown? That's that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it is not downtown, but it's really close to downtown. So, so it's a close yeah. to yeah, yeah. It's anywhere down there if you can find free parking. That's you're doing you're doing yourself a favor there. And and, and you said light bites and did you say drinks as in alcoholic beverages? Alcohol, yeah, yeah. We we, have, we promote the first drink for everybody, and then and then and then there is a cash bar after that. So, and, excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I've got a, a, a few more. I, I want to get back into some of your strategies, but b- before I do, I, I, I want to talk about, I haven't had any realtors on the show yet. And so I, if you could, it, I've, I've found there are two types of realtors. There are retail realtors that don't get it 
and then the realtors who are also investors and they, they get both sides of the coin and they play both sides, you know, very well and they disclose and they, and they're very successful. So I'm curious as an investor and a realtor, what type of, what, what do you look for more? Do you look for retail sales and listings? And if they don't work out, you, you, you put your investor hat on or do you go into it as an investor and then put your realtor hat on depending, you know, how do you, how do you go into a typical? Yeah, the second situation? one, I go as an investor first and I fully disclose that to the seller. And then later if the seller doesn't want to give me the price I want to pay, then say, well, my last strategy or my last offer will be to be your realtor. And at that point I will be working for you and I will list it for this amount. Is Are you happy with that? I will, charge you know x percentage depending on the sale and and then sometimes uh, that's the best route and i don't mind listing the property uh i'm with exp realty uh if anyone is listening who who is thinking about changing brokers uh contact me uh we're looking for more agents to join our team uh exp realty uh my phone number is 832 844 3000 832 or you can just check the website com or com. Okay, and all this information will be on the show notes page. So if, if you're driving and you're trying to write this down, uh, don't worry, just go to privatelenderpodcast.com and you'll get all this information for, for Fabian and how to contact him, I should say. So so when you, as uh, when you were, you, you said you started, did you buy your first investment property before you were a realtor or was it the other way around? Uh, investment property after I became a realtor. My homestead property, like my first house was before I was a realtor. Like okay. a couple of months. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. But having that knowledge and going in, I, I would assume that would give you kind of a, a, um, an advantage. Uh, going in as if you if you have the eye of a realtor going into investing you i would i would think correct me if i'm wrong that you're going to be geared towards the disposition of that asset like say like if you're flipping for example then you're going to be a realtor's probably more attuned to what's in the neighborhood what people want that kind of thing that'll help you yeah you're wrong move along i'm wrong okay <laughs> perfect well explain yeah. explain how uh you're not being a realtor you only learn you know how to fill up a contract and how to not get in trouble. That's it. You don't learn anything <laughs> besides that. And well, when you're getting your license now, if you get additional classes or if you join other trainings, then that's where you learn a little more. And in, in as far as you know how to be a good marketing agent and, and all those things, you know that requires you to be a, a top uh, sales agent or or to be an investor. It's just two different things being an agent and, and an investor. Like this, like so, so much different than this. you. Most agents don't, you know, most agents don't get what we do. And, but that's slowly changing because, I mean, lately, the investing, real estate investing is getting so popular that now agents are, are you know, learning. So I'm glad that that's happening. So that way we don't have to explain too much. Yeah, I've, I've I've sort of noticed that amongst my my realtor friends that were you know, some of them were 
you're 100% retail agents, didn't know you know anything about investing. And real estate investors were bad people. That, that was a bad word. You didn't mention it to them because all they want to do is cheat you out of money. And it's funny how I've seen you know now with you know the 80,000 TV shows that are out there and the interest that's picking up in, in real estate investing. Now, all of a sudden, they're they're softening their views on on investors uh, substantially. So it's um yeah and, and 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 you having both hats. I like that that you have both hats and and, and yeah and I'm glad that you corrected me because uh, I I didn't realize that you would have to kind of specialize or get the on the job training beyond the the realty license initially. So yeah, sometimes That's also the broker will help you a lot on, on becoming a good agent. That's why I like EXP so much because they have a lot of good training online. And and if you like, if you come with with us and our team, then we will also give you our training for free. Uh, we provide well our training is in Spanish, <laughs> at least on the Latinos and real estate side. So we we provide uh, like wholesaling classes in Spanish. Uh, and the next one is on August 18 and 19 for anyone interested to, you know, to get involved in real estate investing and you do speak Spanish, then, then come join us, uh, latinosrealestate.com slash classes for more information on that. So, and I, I see maybe like 20 to 30% of the people who take the, our classes are realtors and they are amazed of how much things they learn in, in, in our classes because they, they don't learn that any everywhere else uh, unless you know it's another investing company but just realtor world you won't get that kind of information and I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I wanted to circle back to uh, I said earlier your strategy the subject to strategy and that when I was introduced to it as a realtor friend of mine said that's illegal you can't do it so obviously that's that's not the case so could, could you walk the listener, walk us through what a subject to deal is and, and the mechanics of it, how it works? Yes, it's uh, it's for me is the best strategy to buy a house when you don't have a lot of money. Even if you have a lot of money, it's still the best strategy because you're not putting your your credit. You're basically taking over someone else's mortgage. So you're stepping into the shoes of the seller and saying, "Seller, I'm gonna." keep the payments we chase for the remaining of, of, of the life of the loan or, or, or X amount of years or, or while I fix it and then sell it depending on, on, you know, what's your extra strategy. And then the, the deed of the property will transfer to my name or to my company's name and the mortgage will stay or remains uh, uh, with the sellers. So if I don't pay the property, then they, they will get, you know, a foreclosure but I will pay the property because otherwise I wouldn't incur the cost of, you know, closing costs. Uh, sometimes I have to pay some back payments. I give them a little money to for them to move out, and so it's, it's roughly like five to ten thousand um, that I that I spend buying a subject too. Sometimes less, sometimes more. But but I wouldn't spend the money and then don't pay the mortgage. So that's how I explain it to them, and then I get the login of the bank if they have it you know like which is and i will i will keep everything straight there and they and they will and they can keep the an eye on it too like they can keep the login as well and see okay fabian is making the payment then i'm happy with it okay yeah that's that's a very good explanation of, of the subject too i'm curious because have you ever had a bank call a loan due a subject to deal due never and i have and i haven't heard of any of my friends uh 
with like like telling me, oh, my loan was just called called due, and now because you're you're referring to the due on sale clause that like ninety nine percent of the loans have it, which means that if you sell a house, you're supposed to pay your mortgage, otherwise the bank has the right to call the loan due unpayable. But they don't care because as long as you pay the property, as long as you and the loan, as long, as long as you insure the property correctly, you have to insure the the, the, the bank as the lost payee, you have to insure the, the, the last owner on the, which is the one, the same one on the, on the loan, uh, to make them feel like they still own it. And of course, I will insure myself as well. So that's, that's one of the most important pieces there, the insurance. As long as you have the insurance correctly and you pay your, your loan uh, on time, and you disclose everything about the doing sale and the and the risk and the and the and and that the property is going to remain on their on their credit. As long as you let them know that in five different ways, then you're 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 covered for the most part. Yeah, I've I've found uh, opponents of this idea of subject to uh, don't like it because you know, the bank can call it due or this and that, and it's going to ruin these people's credit. And I was, and I was like, look, their credit's going to be ruined with a foreclosure anyway. You know, all, all the investors is doing is stepping in, bringing that loan current and, and giving that person, like you said, some money to move or, you know, whatever problem or situation they're in. The investor usually gives cash money to that, to that, um, to that, I say that, that, uh, that owner, then, like you said, you step in the shoes, and the only time I've I've never I've only heard I've never talked to somebody who it's been called the due on sale clause has been called, but I understand it was called because there was a mess up with the property insurance, and the bank felt like their their collateral wasn't being protected, so they called the the note due, and that's the only time I've I've ever heard of of it. I, I hear it can be it can be done, but like you said, disclose it five times to the uh, to the seller. And make them fully aware, and you know that's just good business. And it it's it that seller gets to keep their credit for a little while. That the investor gets a property, and and somebody you know, and gets either a tenant or they go on and sell it, or you know they improve the house and move on. So I, I like the strategy as well. Yeah, and, and even if the, the the bank calls the the loan due, it, it will take a while. Like they will send a letter first, and it's going to take like like six months before you have to really sell it. So you have six months to sell it and hopefully you did a good job in fixing the property. So you can just sell it outright or, or get a, another loan to, to, to pay for that. But I think it's a very manageable risk. Um, in fact, it's not even a risk for me. Like I will get the money somewhere else to pay for that or sell the house and every, and that's fine. I'm, I still enjoyed it alone for a little bit. <laughs> I, I save the money of loan applications, points, and all that stuff. So, so I'm 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 okay with that um, possibility. And if you want to further protect that, like you can buy the property in a trust. And when you buy it in a trust, nobody knows who's the owner of the property. You can name the trust after the the name of the seller, so John Smith Trust. And if the sellers, if the borrower is John Smith Trust. And you see that on the records, they're okay, it must be him. And it's really hard for them to know who is behind the trust or who is the beneficiary of that trust. So so it is hardly impossible for them to know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't want to turn this into a subject to lecture, but yeah, that um th- there are cases where banks cannot call it due was if if you're doing it for asset protection and the borrower puts the house into a trust, 
that does not trigger the due on sale clause. And I can't remember if that was a court case or if it was yes. a, a law. Uh, but I, it, I know what you're talking one about. Way that, yeah. Um, but I, I, I haven't, yeah, I, I don't, I uh, haven't done a whole lot. Try to do some subject to it. Uh, ha- hasn't worked out for me, but I know a lot of people who have. Thanks. A lot of people um, transfer their property uh, into a living trust for, for um, like to avoid probate and stuff like that. So the court case mm-hmm. uh, just said, okay, you, you're allowed to do that and the bank cannot use that, do and sell on that. So so they will have to prove me that my trust is not a living trust and who is behind the trust. I mean, it's just a hassle for them to do it anyway. So, they won't do it. And as long as the payments are being made every month, yeah. most banks don't care. <laughs> they just want to see that money coming in. So uh, I got it there. So um, back to uh, your Latinos in real estate. I'm unfortunately going to be at a podcast conference uh, at the end of July. So, but when was when was the August meeting? Was he said the 18th or 19th or was that your class? That's a class, uh, a two-day class. Oh, okay. 18 and 19, we did at the class office. Uh, it's really close to IT and Biker Cypress. Uh, the next uh, networking will be in August 20-something. <laughs> I'll get you the day later. Okay, well, I, I will I will be that one, and I'll have my English and Spanish dictionary ready to go <laughs> for the class. Well, you know, uh, and then, but, you know, you're absolutely right. Google Translate. <laughs> Yeah, right. If I could only do it in real time, I'd I'd be uh I'd be I'd be perfect uh, and, and fit right in. But you touched on something earlier that you know the networking is whether it's in Spanish or English is that's uh you know that's worth going to in its, in and of itself to any you know any any networking group or meetup or event. You know your net worth is is your network. So I you know and 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 you've you've given this you know proof positive that you know. Going up and t- talking to people in front of people, saying, "Hey, look, this is the deal I have. You got funded, and you got somebody else to fund your next deal." And that's the beauty of real estate investing and private lending. And you know, that's what I I enjoy about it. It's a very social aspect, and, and you know, it, it, you know, you never know when you're going to end up at, at a salad restaurant with somebody talking real estate. You know, like you and I have done. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's. Uh, it's yeah, I I really enjoy it, uh, you know, and then obviously doing the the podcast. Um, but I was I'm curious, do you do any private lending yourself? I don't. Uh, I I do own, well own a finance, but that's not? not really uh, <laughs> like private lending. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have enough money to do private lending, <laughs> and I do have enough deals <laughs> to do my funnel my money to funnel my money to my own deals. So. So I don't find that uh, appealing at this moment. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe in five years, when I when my bank account gets a little bigger, then then I'll, I'll contemplate the idea of being a private lender. However, when when people approach me, uh, I know who to contact, so I can either make the deal happen or or you know be involved in somehow, helping somehow, and make making money somehow. So so I don't say no. It doesn't have to be my money. There you go. Hey, that's that's the beauty. Again, back to the network. Somebody has a need. You you know somebody with a solution. You bring just because it's not your funds, but you're still putting a private lender with a borrower together, and that's it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing. And I I can't wait for you know someday where banks are just going to be uh, all there are going to be computers. That's it. They're just you know people's paychecks are going to go in and bills are paid out. That's it. All loans will be done you know on a peer to peer kind of basis like, like like we do here with you know with with, with private lending so 
I think that's, I mean, hopefully that's kind of where it would behoove my podcast if that happens. So obviously I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it, but I do like the, that social aspect. And just because you don't have a whole lot of money in your account doesn't mean you can't be a private lender. We need to talk offline because I, I have loans as small as $5,000 and you can still get a pretty decent interest rate on, um, on your money if, if, if you're interested, if you're interested. That's so. true. No, no, I, I am because uh, sometimes I don't want to, do my own IRAs just to keep it a little separate from me. So I'm about to sell one of my properties that I own in my IRA. So I will get that money back um, to my IRA. And, you know, uh, sometimes I, I can't find something to invest right away. So that means the property money is, is basically losing value there at Quest. It's just, just collecting fees. <laughs> so I, I see so many people a little uh, like, greedy and they say okay i need this much and if i don't lend it at this much then they, they stay a whole year with the money they're collecting fees not making any money so sometimes it's better to lend in a, a you know a, a lower rate and and and, and consistent you know the whole year and, and don't and then you don't have to worry about it and, and that's why i like owner finance deals to, to, to finance owner finance deals for other people that's how i met my partner he needed he wanted to own or finance a house. He needed a little bit of money to buy it and he financed it for three years. I took a smaller interest rate, which at first I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm going to take, you know, eight, nine percent. But then I thought about it for a second. I was like, if I get 12 percent on a flip, but I have to wait six months, you know, if I do, if I loan for six months and have to wait six months, then my 12 percent is now dropped down to six percent and I don't have to work my money to get this eight or nine percent for three years. And it's a small amount of money. Why not? You know, it's, it's like you said, it's mailbox money at that point. And I had to work it up front. You know, I had a couple of hours of work and due diligence up front to vet the deal, to underwrite the loan. After I decide to make the loan, it's pretty simple. Get the, get the documents drafted with the lawyer, make sure that uh, the IRA, you know, in this case, Quest, I wires the money to the title agent for closing. And then once a month, I check to make sure that the, uh, the payments have been made. And, if they have, great. If not, well, then kick out a nice little letter to tell them, hey, don't forget your payments due. And that's it. And if you if you get involved with good investors, it's not even that much work. So anyway, yeah. I highly recommend you. I highly recommend you you get uh, the private lending with the with your IRA. You know, if you don't purchase another property inside of it. Yes, I'm definitely interested. Um, I think it can grow maybe even faster because you can maybe uh, do like, or maybe I can do like owner finance and then sell the notes later, right? So, and then arrange our. That's, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. There's two things. You can purchase the properties or owner finance them with your own IRA and then sell the note to somebody else, you know, a note buyer, or you can even sell part of the note. You don't have to sell the whole thing, but you know, say maybe 20 or 50 payments out of it. Or, and I've heard this is the most lucrative way to, if you don't have a whole lot of money, this isn't so much private lending, but if you have an IRA and if you wholesale out of your IRA, that's probably the fastest way you can build your IRA's uh, account value. Is, you know, if you put like, uh, let's say for example, if you get a house under contract and you put $1,000 down to the seller as earnest money, but your assignment fee for that house is $10,000, you just added nine grand to your IRA account in just a matter of weeks. You know, if you do that a couple of times a month, 
then, you know, next thing you know, you're going to be upset because you're not 59 and a half and you can't retire yet. And you got all this money <laughs> sitting in, in the retirement accounts. Unless, unless those you are, those are, inherit an IRA. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's something I'm, I don't know a whole lot about, but I hear that is the, definitely the way to go. Oh, if you can inherit an IRA. Talk to me and I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. <laughs> okay. Well, perfect. Well, I'll tell you that, that that's a great segue. Uh, give us your uh, contact information again, your phone number and your websites. Uh, uh, my cell phone number is 832-844-3000. 832-844-3000. My email is Fabian at FabianToledo.com, like Toledo, Ohio. T-O-L-E-D-O. Latinos in real estate.com. Facebook, you can find me on Facebook, FabianToledo.com or, or Latinos in real estate.com as well. So like us on Facebook. Uh, send me a message. Excellent. Yeah, we'll do. And I, I, I do like following you. You do. You go live periodically, uh, so I, I do try to catch if uh, if I'm able. Try to catch it out. So, well, cool. Well, Fabian, I appreciate you coming on the show today and and giving us some knowledge and uh, sharing your wisdom with us. And I'd like everyone to go to privatelenderpodcast.com and get all the Fabian's contact information, his phone number, his websites, and his e- email. And highly recommend everyone check out Latinos in Real Estate. Unfortunately, I won't be there in July, but I will go in August. So if anybody out there listening has a bone to pick with me, come come see me at Latinos in Real Estate, and we'll talk about it. And that way, you get two people to come, uh, two more people to come to the to the awesome. meeting. So excellent. Well, Fabian, again, thanks. I want to uh, wish you all the best and and your investing, and uh, hopefully you start to doing some private lending here soon. And I'd like to catch up with you in a, you know maybe six or nine months and see how things are going. Have you back on the show. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for the invitation. Talk to you later. Okay, take care. Take care, bye. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Fabian Toledo. I've been wanting to get him on the podcast for some time. I just, I love his story of coming here to the United States. English is his second language. Real estate in English is his third language, as he said. And I I just like that he's a hustler. And if anyone follows me on Instagram or Facebook, you'll notice every now and again, I'll put up a a post that says something like strive like you just arrived, hustle like an immigrant. That's one of my favorite slogans. I don't care where you're born, who you are. Adversity is your advantage. Just remember that. I don't care if it's with lending, private lending, real estate investing, school, college, work. Embrace your adversity. And turn it into your advantage. Please go to the privatelenderpodcast.com for more information. You can check out the show notes, get more information on Fabian, how to connect with him at fabiantoledo.com or Latinos, I'm sorry, latinosinrealestate.com. You can also catch him on Facebook and Instagram and learn a lot more, get a lot more information from the show notes. Again, I want to thank you for listening and sharing your time and your ear with me today. I do greatly appreciate it. The numbers of this podcast are slowly growing, and for those of you that I've just received as as listeners, I want to thank you, but those who have been uh, with me since the start or shortly thereafter, I want to thank you as well, and I want to thank everyone who's commented, sent me kind words, constructive criticism or suggestions via um, Facebook, via Instagram, or the website, privatelenderpodcast.com. That's going to do it for this episode 29. I just want to wish everyone out there happy and prosperous investing, but more importantly, happy and prosperous private lending.
I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time. And the only thing else I got to say is...